0: Hello and welcome to the Curious Bodhi podcast. I'm your host, Nyana B. We're in Portugal and I would like to speak about the building of an eco-house and why it's important and some of the challenges. If any of you are thinking of changing your life, I can give at least some insight and I'll try to make a little timeline for you so far about... What's been happening and what's important? I was listening to a podcast about yoga as related to Tibetan Buddhism, which is really the yoga of life. Yoga means union. It's not necessarily separatist and located in just one tradition. Yoga, meaning union, doesn't belong to Hindus or Sanatana Dharmans, dharmis. It doesn't belong to Buddhists, it doesn't belong to Christians, it doesn't even belong to yogis. Yoga is a way of life where we can be in union and see that we're all interconnected. Not just as an idea, but as a deep realization. Now, I don't perform hatha yoga or the postures of yoga very often. But I do try to find yoga as a way of life. So we'll jump right into the topic of why I decided to build an eco-house. I come from America and I lived for 11 years in London in the United Kingdom. Life kind of flowed and took me away where it would. And I got involved in a business with my husband, now husband, that I was never that passionate about and that I never really wanted. You know when you just kind of go with the flow of life and you're like, how did I end up here? That's exactly what happened. And I was living, I always said I never wanted a 9 to 5, but I was living 9 to 5 some days, seven days a week in the beginning. And it was a real experience for me because life became really, really, really mundane. Mundane to the point of I was in the mode of what's the point? What is the point? I'm not living passionately. I'm not living interconnectedly. And I'm always busy. London is a place where uh, people don't look you in the eyes when they're walking down the street. I'm sure if you live in a city like Milan or New York City or Paris, you have the same experience. It's like people look at their feet because they want to protect themselves and what they have. And I don't blame them. So... I really wanted a better economy for myself and for the world so with this plan in mind me my husband and our best friend we consider ourselves family and we lived together in london we decided to give everything up and move to portugal and find a plot of land and build an eco house that relies on solar power and other forms of how do you say um, sustainable practices that will be long-term for not just us but for the web of life that we're interconnected with now I want to make a point that it sounds very cliche I'm not into cliches (laughs) but I've never been an environmentalist I've never been a feminist I've never been any sort of ist, but I do consider myself a Buddhist, but even not really because I follow the Buddha's teachings and have realizations of what this life is all about day by day. So this is not any sort of propaganda. It's not my idea. And it's not um, any sort of fundamentalist notion of reality that I have. I just knew that I had to do it. And I would like to share the experiences. So day one, we drove from London to Santander in Spain. No, sorry, we drove from London to Dover, I believe, in the UK with all of our stuff in the back of a van. And we took the ferry, Brittany Ferries. You can buy a one-way ticket and we loaded our truck in the ferry and we arrived in Santander in Spain within 24 hours. From Spain, we drove across the whole of Spain and made it into Portugal into a tiny village called Ventosa, which I love now. It's, it's amazing. Uh, I actually realize how much I love it <laughs> more and more. It's near Monjunto on the map. If you're American, it's pronounced Manjunto. And it's a big mountain if you find it on on the map. So we ended up here and we didn't sleep very, very well on the ferry. We didn't sleep very well 24 hours riding in the car. And one hour after we arrived, we were greeted with four shipping containers. Shipping containers, you know, like... The ones they uh, transport goods across the ocean on that's what we're building our house out of shipping containers the reason we did this is because we don't have to build a structure the structure is already built it's friendly because it's reusing materials that are already in existence we don't have to make new wood we don't have to order bricks and this sort of thing it's already in itself a structure So anyway, these shipping containers landed on our property and the the guys, the company's called Transitex. I believe they're a Chinese company, but they operate all over the world. Transitex. The guys from Transitex were really perplexed because they saw our land. It's not flat. It's bigger than a football field, if you know how big that is but it's not flat. The terrain is very muddy and up and down, up and down. And there were so many weeds, weeds with thick spikes. So they were wondering how were they going to put the containers on our land in these lorries? And they were philosophizing about it, walking around the yard, like, oh guys, how are we going to do this? I, I don't know, maybe from this angle. And they were taking pictures and it was actually, it's funny now, but at the time I was really underslept. So finally, they decided to go ahead and pull their lorries into our property and drop the shipping containers by crane. They were dropped on the crane. So we had four structures that we could potentially sleep in. That was what I remember from the first day. And I did a bit of filming so you can see, I'm going to put out a documentary in the future. Now, the next day, I realized that when we saw the land in the first place, the grass was really short. But when we arrived months later, after buying the land, it was really long. I'm talking about above your waist with thick, (laughs) spiky weeds. So our first task, which we didn't anticipate, was cutting down these weeds from the field so we could at least walk. Now, luckily, the lorries... They flattened some of the earth so that we had a terrain to walk and operate around in with the tools that we brought in our van. But if you don't have that, yeah, this is my first point. If you buy land and you see it and you move months later, especially to a new country like Portugal, you have to anticipate that the land will overgrow. So be prepared for that. We weren't. You might need a cutting machine. We have a cutting machine with special blades that that uh, gets rid of the tough spiky weeds and you can find it at any farm shop or the equivalent of B&Q or I believe home base or this sort of uh, store with these tools and you need a special blade to cut the spikes so they don't regrow. That's important. So we contended with that for a while. And our second challenge was building a toilet. What do you need to do? The first thing, you have to build a toilet. I probably shouldn't say this, but my first bathroom break in like 24 hours, I had to like run to the back and poo under a tree. I'm not even kidding you. That's that's in my memory, very fond. But we built an eco toilet. So you can look online at... How to build a compost toilet. It's really simple. All you need to do is have a bucket, even a paint bucket or an empty bucket. Or you can buy one for like a euro or something. And you need wood chips or sawdust or dry hay or dry leaves. We use dry leaves because we had no access to anything else from our property. So you throw the leaves in the bucket. You do your business and then you cover the business with the dry leaves or dry hay, this sort of thing. And the bucket is covered with a box so you can, luckily our friend, he is a builder. He has many years of experience, so he knows how to make everything. Um, He made the box to fit over the bucket with a lid You can install a toilet seat right in the top, so it's like a normal up-and-down toilet, but the box is the structure that you sit on. So we made the toilet. (laughs) We were really proud of that. (laughs) We didn't have to do our business outdoors anymore. We could do it inside. Then we had to build or find some way to cover ourselves from our neighbors, because it's not very nice if you're doing this in public. We luckily have the shipping containers so we put the bucket there for a while but then we decided to build a structure. You can use wood. We use wood and tarp and we finally just got around to making a door because we were using one of the shipping container doors to close ourselves in. So you can be really really innovative and inventive and creative when you're trying to make things work and it's really not expensive because a lot of the smarts and materials you already have so there we are we're done with point number two the toilet very important so terrain and toilet number three is finding your way around and finding out how things work we spent quite a while making some mistakes with uh, the language barrier not knowing how much time orders would take and other things so for example we made an order and they said oh it's going to take two weeks to arrive and we weren't anticipating that we wanted to work like tomorrow i'm used to things in london go 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 give me my stuff you know but it's not like that um be prepared to find merchants and ask them possibly beforehand even by email How long it will take to get your stuff. Different countries. Different rules. The pace is much slower in Portugal. I'm telling you. And that's actually a good thing. So you will find the best way to do your normal stuff. Open a bank account. You need to keep your money there. Find out how the cash machines work. Find out the best stores that you can. In Portugal it's agroloja, agricultural shop in other words Leroy Merlin just as it said Leroy Merlin you can look on the internet for it and those are the two main ones but then you have lots of other small shops that deal with ceramics with bricks and if you have a car and you're driving you will see many of these shops and you can inquire how long it takes to deliver and things like this this uh portugal in general is a big place that's uh dedicated to textiles and building materials so you won't have a problem finding any the problem just may be the price So after you find the best places to buy things, I would try to meet as many people as possible because they're very, very helpful here. For example, we have a neighbor across the street who offered us his drinking water while we wait for our water to be installed. Now there are many politics and processes when you're trying to build any house not just an eco house in any country and one of the regulations is that you must have a wall built near the street to hook up an electricity box and your water supply we don't even have this yet and it's almost been three months since we are here but to be able to have drinking water luckily we found our neighbor and he's been so nice and we buy him some whiskey and stuff you know to (laughs) ease his suffering if he thinks we're taking too much water but otherwise we would have no drinking water because recently our village has no free drinkable water points all of it is for farmers use and it, it says uncontrolled water supply they have lots of water on the street, free water, but you can't drink it. So really investigate where you can find your drinking water, because that will keep you alive. So you're, you're sort of in survival for the first at least three weeks, figuring things out and going back and forth. We also found an amazing man named Rodrigo and he's helped us with our car. You know, we had uh, an engine failure, and what do we do? You know, We don't speak Portuguese yet, and he was the best one to tell us who to see, and he even came along and helped us buy a new car because, and here's the kicker, if you come over from another country, especially the United Kingdom, be prepared when you take your car here to either sell your car and get a new one to keep it as a backup or trade it in later or re-register it. That's very important. You need a car in Portugal if you want to get anything done and you must re-register it to be able to legally drive it. We've had a lot of problems with insurance because if you're outside of the UK, The policy is only valid in the UK, so you know you can't drive in Portugal legally. And we were on temporary insurance cover for a while, and that ran out, and we really had we were out of moves because re registering your car is a process that can take weeks or months. There's a whole list um, of things you must do such as get an inspection when you're in Portugal and get the certificate. You need to have, I believe, certificate of compliance with it, a CC certificate. If you don't have it from the UK, then you better call someone who can give you that. And you have to get it certified. There's, There's a few documents, there's like six or seven steps Then you have to pay a customs charge, which we never found out how much it was, but I'm guessing it's over 1,000 euros. So if you're not prepared to pay that customs charge and your car is rather cheap, you better come without a car and buy one here in Portugal. Or just be prepared to try to sell it when you're here and get a new car because it's much easier that way. We didn't want to deal with re-registering. Now, you must also be okay with the simple life. So washing your laundry by hand takes a while. For me today, it took about one hour just to do one load. And that's me, you know, scrunching it, like pushing it, pushing it, pushing the soap through in the bath, wringing it out and hanging it by myself in winter, mind you, with my hands. So you might have to deal with some of that. Uh, If you don't like bugs, you'll have to find a way to pest control yourself or get over it. I'm slowly getting over it because there's a specific bug I don't like, but I'm not gonna tell anyone because it will just re-traumatize me. (laughs) So you have to learn how to deal with it, really. And uh, one of the ways I'm dealing with it is when we finished our first container, the rough finish, which took about three weeks, three people working hard. That's putting in the stud walls, putting in the styrofoam insulation, you know, uh, protecting it with protecting the screws uh, from outside and inside from the weather and painting the walls, painting the ceiling, no windows or doors yet the rough finish the structure is built for a bedroom and a bathroom and we moved into that container with our stuff and we sweep it and mop it regularly to keep it clean like it would be you know a livable uh one bed or studio house sort of thing it's good because our containers are 40 foot long and about three meters high 2.9 meters and those are the largest shipping containers that you can buy Each shipping container, I should have mentioned this before, can range anywhere from about, at its cheapest and smallest, 1,000 euros, to the most expensive. And if they really want to take advantage of you, 4,000 euros. But generally, each container will be approximately 2,000 euros, give or take a few hundred, depending on the size. So you can plan for that. So it's really not that expensive if you look at how each container is already a structure and you don't really have to do much to provide a roof for yourself and the basics for life. And so going back to the point we moved in and we have a gas heater in there because now it's winter and during the day it's like summer but during the night it's freezing. So... This comes to my next point. You don't have water. You don't have electricity. What do you do? You need to charge your phone. You need to charge batteries. You need to charge tools. You need to cook. And the best thing that you can do is either buy gas appliances. We have a small gas cooker hooked up to a gas bottle that we bought one gas bottle of butane once and it hasn't run out yet. And it's been almost three months, so it really lasts you a long time. We got an eco-friendly gas stovetop with two hobs. The other thing is, of course, a heating system if you're cold. And we came up with two ideas. One is the gas heater, so a butane bottle in one of those boxes. You can light it when you need heat. It's like a fire. Or you can use a fireplace or a fire stove. And this is great because you can also reuse it later and move it. So for example, you can install the fire stove in the wall and install a temporary chimney. And you will have heat as long as you have wood. And you can throw wood in the fire. Which brings me to my next point, wood. Many places in Portugal are already bought and wood even in the forest is really off limits. So we had to find the best place to find free wood because we don't want to we don't want to buy wood just to burn it. So you can either look by skips and bins for old pallets and be sure to ask if anybody's using them if they look like they're building a house. They might belong to them actually so if they're really being thrown away you can burn the trash be careful not to burn you know styrofoam or plastic or anything like this but if you find scrap wood do that or if you find an uninhabited forest and you can ask your neighbors about this they'll show you then you can pick up some wood and make your fire inside or outside easy you can also use the weeds from your property, believe it or not, when they're at least semi-dry. So we have loads of these spiky weeds still left that we raked up from the yard and they're burnable. It's like, you know, it's, it's uh, compostable stuff and it makes a fire pretty well. So anything that you can burn that won't be toxic to the planet, do it, burn it. That's my advice. Even material from your own yard and try to make it dry or else the fire won't set properly. Oh my God. What do I want to tell you? The rain. The rainy season was supposed to be in October And we were all happy because in October it didn't rain. But November it rained for three weeks straight. And I'm talking pouring rain. It was flooding. It was flooding our yard. It was flooding everything. So if you're unprepared for the weather, it can have disastrous consequences for your building project. Check the weather. Ask locals how the season should be. Strangely enough, this was a weird year in Portugal. The summer was not as hot as it usually is. And the rainy season that was supposed to be in October traditionally came in November. And now it's sort of normalizing. It's winter and it's pretty good, like 20, upper 20s, something like this. But if you have loads of rain and you're building something... The rain could literally ruin that project. So make sure that your project is prepared for the rain, for flooding. Containers are good because even though they're on the bare earth, they stand up from the ground and they're already waterproofed. So the container is the best because it's metal. It's waterproof, windproof, hailproof, snowproof. And when you insulate it, it can carry the warmth and it can carry the cold whatever temperature it is so it's a pretty good system already it's not going to rot it's not going to get damaged it's durable and there you go but when you walk outside yes you must have wellies wellies and clothes that will get dirty 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 For a couple of weeks, you will be dirty. Like you'll be covered in mud and crap that you never saw in your life. And you should make fun of it because otherwise you'll get really upset if you're a clean freak. Um, to be able to walk outside in the rain from your front door, our front container door, and it's flooding, What what do you need? You need wellies and a raincoat first to even go to the toilet or whatever you need to do. The best trick that I've found so far for the water on the ground is to take any dry roots, dry grass, weeds, and spread it where you will be walking. So we literally made a walkway from the front of the container to the toilet and you know, around the fireplace so we can walk to the fire. We can walk to our car and the weeds do a lot of good also. They do a lot of good if you're trying to get out and your car is stuck in the mud, which happened to us. You just put the dry weeds under the wheel and maybe a board, like a, a plywood. And it will help propel your car if it's not moving in the mud and you need to park on your property because you don't have a driveway. You know, Things like that, you need to consider uh, what could happen due to the weather. Going back to water supply, we recently invested in tanks that are 1,000 liters. And these tanks are traditionally for making wine. It looks like a big square, like an ice cube, but covered with a gate. Like some sort of metal structure to hold the plastic container in place. And it has a lid on top. So it's like a big box of wine or something. And to be able to harness all this rain, we thought, you know, we can't work right now. We might as well do something. So we harnessed the rainwater and built a tarp structure that acts like a pyramid. And it filters down from, you need something to hold it in place at the top. We have some uh, wooden stakes and then we used rope And we tied the top of the tarp there and then sliding down, making a V shape into the open water barrel. And you can catch rainwater for free. And this is for doing your laundry, for mixing cement and concrete if you need to, for washing your body. And it's filtered because you can put some sort of mesh on the top like we used just... uh, like an old skirt I had, I cut up. And the mesh will filter out the bugs because the bugs, like the flies, they love to get trapped inside your water supply. So you need a filter and you can literally just leave the tarp there and it will catch the rain. Um, Our first structure was building a tarp when we didn't have these big containers. And it just filtered into an open bucket which then we used on the day when we needed it so we have lots of buckets barrels and containers because you will need them for doing dishes for washing your body for mixing things and cleaning your tools and buckets are your best friend buckets are your best friend Get lots of buckets and think what they will be used for and how they will be used. Because also you don't want to cross contaminate one bucket. If you're cleaning tools, you don't want to wash your body with that bucket. Think about the best strategy to avoid contamination and use one bucket for one thing. So we have a dirty water bucket. That means when I clean with the mop and the water is dirty, like full of mud... We put it in one bucket because that can be used for mixing concrete it's not going to be harmful for the concrete so reusing water i have a two bucket system for doing the dishes so one bucket is for the hard i call it the hard wash or the hard rinse you get all the food particles out and then the second bucket is for rinsing and then the second bucket becomes the first bucket when the first one is too dirty because what do you do with used dirty food water the best thing you can do is feed your garden or your plants if you have them because the food particles are not going to hurt the earth especially if you're eating a plant-based diet where there's no meat milk or eggs inside there Um, it's not harmful for your garden in any way it will probably help if anything full of nutrients The compost you have will also help if you want to collect and learn how to compost. So you can do a bit of that. And I learned that your strategies will always change. Always. Once you think you nailed it, some other challenge will come along and ruin that thing that you just... (laughs) Sometimes spend hours creating because now it's 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 no use anymore, or what do I do now? Everything is affecting you. The weather's affecting you. Um, how much actual material you have to work with is affecting you. So be ready to rise to the challenge and not get frustrated. If you're the frustrated type, when things don't go your way, you have to breathe. exhale and learn that everything is a process it takes time you're learning you're doing good and it will be ready the next day there's always tomorrow because what did we do when there were three weeks of rain we couldn't run the generator which was our main source of power because it would die in the rain it has to be outside to fumigate so we, could, we couldn't do anything. And I was really upset about it because I'm too ambitious sometimes and I want to get things done. It's my cultural weird narrative going on there. But you have to make the best of it. So I realized, okay, this is a time for me to, to do my painting, to do my podcasting, to do other things, maybe try to improve the, the situation a little bit to make it, livable you know go out and meet people have a drink with them have a coffee do some whatever your hobbies are don't beat yourself up that your project didn't go to plan because of something out of your control that's really 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 important for example today I have the projection that we're gonna dig this hole we have to dig it for the the pipe underneath the ground and my projection is to dig this much today and I really don't foresee that happening because of so many factors. Um, my, my workmates, they had to go and uh, pick some stuff up and I needed my husband to help me cut the weeds because I can't operate the cutter even though I was cutting them and it went slower. So there's a thousand factors that can impact your project. If you think you want to get something in one day, give it three days just to ease your own head. Don't think that everything will be magically summed up like a day at work, like 9 to 5. Oh, I did my stuff. I'm going home. I'm satisfied. No, 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 no. Big, big, big process. Big project. You're building a house. And you want to love it. This is where you're going to live. This is where your your soul will thrive, there. This is your base. And this is, you know, you you have a right to love it so don't rush the project and be willing to re-strategize and reintegrate into what's going on based on the various factors now how does this relate to to living together and uh, Buddhism actually or the Buddha's life all of this process is teaching me how to Behave, I guess you could say, with myself. So carrying old habits from the busy life I used to live won't work anymore. It's not going to work to get irritated and angry. Because generally it's uh, forced only on myself and uh, the people that I love. Because now I'm only with the people that I love and I don't have to be distracted by menial tasks or meaningless work. I can be myself and I'm here to love this, love what I do. So the the strategies I've employed before, they really don't work. They really don't work. That's uh, a teaching on patience. Patience. Patience and also realizing the bigger picture of what's going on. Sometimes it's difficult to change the past may haunt you for a little while especially if you've had some trauma with the past trauma or drama or it was really a situation that left a sour taste in your mouth and especially if you loved the situation however you know you need to change like you you love your work and stuff but you're called to some higher higher calling by a higher power you have to go with the calling and it will be difficult at times but you have to see the larger picture the larger picture from this perspective where i'm looking is that london is not a healthy place it's not a healthy place you drink too much you smoke too much i say that you you drink on the weekends to forget the week you just had and I don't think that's that's the way to live. We shouldn't be living like that. We should love the week we had and keep going because we want to keep going with the weeks ahead, not drink to forget. And I don't drink, so I was um, alienated from the sort of cultural context because I don't, I don't, I didn't go to pubs. I got sick of nightclubs. I turned inward and went into my spiritual cocoon to to really um, marinate in myself, find out who I am. So I didn't fit in. I didn't fit in there. And the bigger picture is that now I can have peace without distraction, if I want. Nobody's going to come to me and say, you have to do this because I said, because my ego... Needs your attention and honestly to do something that may be negative so I can think of an example say somebody is working in a bank or an office and their boss asks them to do something they know is morally corrupt or wrong but because it's for the best of the company to put some money in the pockets, or power, or whatever sort of weird perversion they get off on. If you are in that situation, you have two choices, to do it or to leave it. And if you're struggling because you think you must do this, because you think the world is this way and you can't go anywhere else, a lot of the times you'll be pushed to do it. And i may have made some moral failings in my time to the best of my ability really i've tried not but uh i wasn't being honest with myself about the situation i was in the work situation the money situation the the having to put on a face that wasn't mine and uh, i said that's it that's it i i can't fake it anymore if i fake it I'll die I'll die so I had to move it's things like this seeing the bigger picture that make you appreciate where you've come from what you now will do and how it's going to influence you and others so I want to walk lightly on the earth I don't want to cause destruction and disaster either in the economy or the monetary system to other beings who are just trying to be happy like me if if they press me for something they want and i can't give it to them it creates a conflict just just small example i want to realize that we are all interconnected and that my small self doesn't really matter that much i'm not that important and that doesn't depress the shit out of me like it would some other people especially if they have a Mm, a really big attachment to how things are going, or to, usually it's money or power or something like this. It makes me feel better, actually, that I don't have to prove anything to anybody anymore. It's freedom. It's freedom. That's the other thing I want to touch on, is Buddhist non-attachment So we all come from some place, we all have a history, we all have programs that we're trying to work with, and the Buddha really laid the foundation for how to live a life in society, or a monastic life, the yoga of life, either way works, where you can employ the Buddhist teachings no matter what. You don't have to be a Buddhist, there's no such thing actually. You can live and go to work you can have a family you can be a monk you can be an athlete you can do whatever ever ever you want but the point is to realize that that is interconnected with the rest of reality and that your reactions and your actions have consequences for the people around you and the whole entire structure of reality so that might change little things in what you do and it might change big things And if you have an attachment to some sort of structure, reality has to be like this. This is how it works. We're in capitalism. You dirty communists. Oh, the Mexicans. Blah, 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 blah. If you have this sort of attitude, it's never going to progress you because the world works as it works. From many perspectives, 7 billion minds, each having their own view of reality. Which influence each other. And we have to know the ways in which we're being stubborn. And we're just trying to hold on or when to let go and decide this is the day I'm living. This is the day I breathe in, breathe out and accept myself and the structure of reality as it is and maybe I can make some changes within that reality not just to benefit me because I'm the most important but to benefit others and to spread that across the world so I encourage you now just as I'm going to do to think about all the beings in the world which is quite a hefty, hefty thing to do but we'll try it to picture not just your neighbors or your neighborhood or your friends but people in other countries bordering yours, in my case Spain, from there France, Germany, Austria, Switzerland, Hungary, Italy, Greece, over to India, Tibet, Nepal, Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, China, Japan, circling around, Canada, the USA, South America, even Antarctica, North and South Pole. Picture the entire world and all the people living their lives in it and the way that they function inside their own head and how they are influencing the rest of the world and you and me at this moment now. We're all enmeshed. And just have gratitude that you're part of that. There's no reason to be lonely. We're not separate from anything or anyone else. So if you feel alienation, doing this loving-kindness meta-practice will really help you come back to reality and realize that we're in this together, still alive, and we still have every chance of awakening to the full nature of our being in reality, and we can do this together. The more of us that awaken, the more of us that live happily and enlighten the planet in truth, and we can all be prosperous this way. Namaste, and I will see you next week. Love, love, love.